Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. And when mm-hmm. I went there and interacted with these people for the first time in my life, I could recognize that they had made extremely bad, harmful decisions. And then at the same time, white girl raised in a nice family I knew nothing about drugs or gangs and started asking them all types of questions about it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, these guys are totally natural born hustlers. They have so much in common with successful CEOs and executives. When you run a drug ring or a gang, like you have to have exceptional management skills and you understand profits and distribution channels and all of that. The one thing that they sucked at was their risk management strategies because they all got busted and went behind. (laughs) But, you know, um, I thought you guys have so much potential, you've misused it. What if you were equipped with legit, like legal hustling skills, since I've always loved entrepreneurship and worked in venture capital. Yeah. I felt like right before my eyes were some of the greatest potential ROI stories in America, the most overlooked talent potential in this country. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and boy, do we have an amazing guest. My friend, Kat Hoke, is in the house. Kat Hoke, what up? Hi, Darius. <laughs> For those of you that are new to the show, we are about two things, people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world, and Kat Hoke is neither short of passion nor greatness, and we're going to be talking about so many fun things today. I, I'm telling you, can I tell you a secret right now? Me? I'm going to tell you a secret, yeah. Okay. All right, so Kat and I met at... Gathering of Titans at MIT three years ago, 2019. And she did this amazing talk that we're going to be getting into in just a few minutes here. And I was like, fuck, I really want her to be on my podcast, but I don't have a podcast. I had a brand, I was a podcast was my idea then. And I was like, maybe, maybe I should ask her. And I was super embarrassed and like, it, like, cause it was a new thing I was just starting. And I was in the Endicott house, which is this mansion where we do this event. And I see her being interviewed by one of our, <laughs> for a podcast by one of our oh, other, yeah, like Bob, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Bob, yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't ask her. And she's already doing a podcast for somebody else. So I never asked you till now. Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you for asking me now. <laughs> I don't say yes to a ton of podcasts. And um, 
I think you are awesome. And I love what your message is that you're getting out in the world. So I'm honored to be your guest. And thank you for asking. Oh, well, the honor is mine and the pleasure is mine. So so let me tell you why I wanted to ask Kat to be on the podcast that I barely had at the time. So I basically, we do this event at GOT at MIT every year. And Kat comes and you blew my mind. Why? Well, I don't want to give away because I'm about okay. to talk about what you do. But right, one, right. so Kat, so Kat does some amazing stuff, and and we're gonna go there in just a second. But there's this thing that I, I'm almost positive you made me and another member of of the group stare in each other's eyes. Oh yeah. And by yeah. the way, the person who I did that with became my mentor and is one of my closest friends now. And I didn't know him. Yeah, we did this intense emotional exercise. Can you explain the emotional exercise just really quickly? Sure. Okay, so spilling the beans, I guess, but I, I work in prisons. I've done prison work for almost 20 years, like 18 and a half or something years now. And um, I do this exercise in prison usually where I put a long strip of tape down the side of the gym. On one side of the line are all the people who are incarcerated. And then you're, they're directly paired across from a volunteer, someone like you. But in this case, at business conferences, which I do all the time, we uh, do this with two business people. So you're staring each other in the eyes. And then I ask a bunch of questions. And if the statement is not true for you, you step back from the line. And if it is true for you, you step to the line while looking at each other in the eyes. And we start off with like easy things like I'm a natural born hustler. So usually a lot of people are at the line on that. And then we get into deeper, more difficult, more emotional questions like, I am still deeply ashamed of something that I have done in my life or there I have not forgiven myself or somebody else. And nearly everybody's at the line on not having forgiven themselves or someone else. And one of my most important messages in life is about forgiveness. I say that we are all here. No one's listening to your podcast unless they're investing in themselves and in a better future. We all want that. But yeah. when we don't forgive ourselves, we are shackling ourselves to the past. So I love to talk about forgiveness. And um, that's just a little sneak preview on that that step to the line exercise that I love that you got to participate in. Yeah, it was so powerful. And I, so we're going to talk about the work you do in prisons in, in just a moment here. But yeah, that that blew my mind. And and it was you were such a, an amazing guest and speaker, Hustle 2.0, baby. We're going to be going there. And so I, um, yeah, I was like, man, that's a really you're just a really interesting, fascinating, amazing, great person. I was like, I want to get to know that person, but it took me some time to ask. So here we are a couple of years later and it's, it was meant to be. <laughs> so um, I want to give your formal bio. Do you mind if I do that? Mm, sure. All right. I always read these just because I, I don't want to butcher them, but it, so a couple of things. So listeners of the show will know I was a division one wrestler in college and rest, I was like obsessed with wrestling. What weight? I was heavyweight. I was a heavyweight. But you yeah, think you could take me? I'll take you down. <laughs> I doubt it. I'm about to be inducted into the Wrestling Hall of Fame for my... Oh, wait. Sorry. I'm spilling the beans again. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so I, so I forgot. So Kat it mastered the technique of the breakfall, which this is from her bio. But uh, she... So you also do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you're a serial entrepreneur. But I want to talk about... We're going to go to high school wrestling. And did you wrestle college too? I didn't wrestle... Oh, you went to Berkeley. You went to Berkeley. Yeah, no wrestling I, I coached- team... I coach well. I did freestyle wrestling and I coached wrestling. I actually coached uh, junior high and high school kids when I was in college. Okay, cool. I coached high school and high school kids too when I was in college. We're twins. 
and you don't know I am really a twin in real life. So you're my you're my triplet. <laughs> I'm your, I'm your like uh, emotional twin sister from another mister. Okay. Yes. Uh, so guys, Kat leads inter, a gang intervention program. She's a serial entrepreneur. We're gonna be talking about all the really cool entrepreneur stuff that she's been doing, especially in the prisons. She works with gang leaders in the most notorious jails. And, and I'm so pumped to talk about Hustle 2.0 and how you got there and, and all the things you've done. Kat's determination to succeed has led her to start three revolutionary organizations, Hustle 2.0, Defy Ventures, and the Prison Entrepreneurship Program. And in 16 years, she's graduated 8,500 incarcerated people from her program. 7,000 professionals, entrepreneurs, and investors have had volunteered as mentors and employers as the results of everything that she's done. And I'm telling you right now, this is the thing that blows my mind the most. I brag about you. You don't know this. I brag about what you're doing to lots of people. The recidivism rate for people that graduate from her programs is less than 8%, which is... Like, what is the actual number? First of all, you're amazing. And that is absolutely astonishing. Like, congratulations on all the work that you've done in, in this really m meaningful way. Thank I you. Mean, so that's what blew my mind, right? This is a person that's going into prisons and helping the incarcerated come out and not go back, which is something that our system is not built to do. And yeah. so what is the recidivism rate for, let's say, the average, you know, incarcerated person? Well, who's in our country, the United States, about 80% of people are rearrested within five years. 80% so, are rearrested within five years. So 20% aren't. Yes. Yes. So um, it's, it's very sad. I think that by nine years, I, it's like 89% or something of people are rearrested. So nearly, nearly everybody ends up going back. But what I like to say about this, because people are like, oh, once a criminal, always a criminal. And that is so not the case. It is every single day we get stacks of letter at has, has, of letters at Hustle 2.0, my organization now, from people who are like, I've been locked up for 20 years. I've never had a chance at programming. And especially now in COVID, like they're quarantined and locked down. They, wow. So, yeah, if people don't get a shot at rehabilitation, guess what? They fall back into the only thing that they know. Of it's called the field of corrections, but there's not much corrective about it often. So we're working on changing that and flipping that sad statistic on its head because it is remarkable when people have hope. Hope changes everything. It changes our behavior when we have hope. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Like, like that number, I swear I've, I've probably quoted that number to a thousand people talking about what you do. Yeah. And I'm like, there's this woman, Ken Hoke. She has this, this project, their business, Hustle 2.0, did Defy Ventures. I actually have met a couple people that came out of Defy Ventures, like randomly. Oh, you know, yeah. People who I know now. Yeah. Um, a guy, one, a Quan, you know, Quan yeah. wrote his book. Quan's like, awesome. Yeah. Quan and I were in the yeah. same cohort to write our books. Oh, gosh. Uh, gosh. I'll, I'll remember the other gentleman, but I've met a couple of them and they, uh, all these people are, are, you've changed their lives in such major ways. And so when I saw that statistic, I was like, this is, this number one's brilliant to like take the hustle that these, these people have in them and convert it into value that they can take outside of prison to do good with. The greatest thing I see that is there's some scale behind it now and that you're doing some yeah. really big good. But what I want to do is I want to take a step back. Yeah. I mean, you, where are you from originally? Are you from Oregon, right? No, actually, no. I'm Canadian, Montreal. Oh, no way, you're Canadian. Yeah, Montreal born, yeah. I moved to the U.S. when I was seven. 
You don't have an accent, though. You've, French you... was my first language, but uh, no, I don't because I came over as at a young age. Oh, okay, okay. So, so you're so you're French Canadian originally, and then when you came over, where did, where did you move to? California. Oh, okay. I've where... lived all over the U.S. When I met you, I was living in Oregon, right by the Supermax Prison of Pelican Bay State Prison, where I That's launched right. Hustle Two Point But I lived in New York. In New York, I worked in finance. I lived there for eight years, but I mostly lived in California, where I live now in Lake Tahoe, where I ski all the time. Did you eat with so when you wrestled? So I was Davis High in California. Yeah. Back in the day. Um, so I just realized yesterday I'm about to turn 45 years old. And I was like, dang. But back when I was wrestling in high school, I was a first wrestler, female wrestler. I was on the boys team. Like no one had ever done that. So, so we have yeah. yet another thing in common. I wrestled at UC Davis. Did you really? Yeah, that's where I wrestled. I was a, a redshirt yeah. freshman in yeah. 1996 at UC that's Davis. Awesome. Well, I used to train with the UC Davis wrestlers because I was always, yeah. Anyway. Okay, so so there really the, cool. the, the, what was interesting was there were these girl wrestlers that would come, there was a girl wrestler that came up from Stanford that uh-huh. wrestled. You probably wrestled with her because because this was in what year did you wrestle there in high, in high school you did or I graduated college? from high school in '95. Okay. Okay. Wow. I was, a, I was a women's California freestyle state champion in 1994. Wow. Okay. You would totally kick my ass then. I was. I, I knew it. I knew it. I'm I, I was better at Greco, but I was good on my feet. I was pretty good on my feet. I'm well. That's good for. Okay. Yeah. The most uh, heavyweights have to be, I guess. But yeah, you yeah. got to. Yeah, yeah. There's not yeah. a lot of mat wrestling. So yeah. So you you wrestle in high school. Like like. Let me ask you a question because I want to get into all the entrepreneurial stuff and, yeah. and the prison stuff. But like before we go there. Yeah. Like, how does a girl get like, especially in 1995? It's different now. There's a lot more girl wrestling now. Yeah. But, but what were you like? Yeah, I want to wrestle. Like, how, like no, how? no, I never in a million years thought I would do that. One of my girlfriends had a crush on a boy on the team, and she wanted to watch him. Dragged me in. It was at seven in the morning. I was not a morning person. The coach says go run to all the boys. He says go run a mile around the track, and we're just sitting there being spectators. My father taught me to never be a spectator in life in anything. Like we yeah. were not TV watchers or anything. They're like, I'm not going to sit here and watch them. That's a waste of my life. So I'm going to get up and run the mile with them. And the coach said, why don't you come in and stretch with us? And the rest is history. I mean, but I can tell you this. So I was very weak and I was very skinny in high school. And I was athletic, but scrawny. And I'm, I'm tall. I'm 5'9". I wrestle 125. So the boys oh. I wrestle are short and stocky. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I would run laps around the track with the boys um, and the football players would say the worst things in the world to me. Yeah, I would get called so many names. And then like, here's what's relevant to entrepreneurship and everything else. Like my entire first year of wrestling against the boys, I only got two points with one takedown. I got my butt whooped i got stacked my first match ever i got stacked meaning my butt was in the air it's humiliating in 13 seconds and every day that after that i would go back to the girls locker room and i would be the only girl in there and i would cry i would sob bruised i would beat i was beat up and i wanted to quit so bad it was really hard for me but i kept coming back yeah and the fact that i i that's why i credit wrestling was so much because in my career now I've been through some beatdowns, some scandals and I have come back. Yeah. I also work with men, women and youth who have been defeated in life. They're incarcerated, they're near hopeless 
and I get to work with them to give them hope to come back. And in my second year of wrestling, I had a slightly winning record against the boys and I, I crushed it with women. So taught me a lot. So you wrestled, you wrestled two years of high school and then I only wrestled my junior and senior year. Imagine if I had started at a freshman. So I was at a total disadvantage, but that's okay. We can start late in life with a disadvantage and still crush it. Yeah, no. It's so, so funny. Like, uh, it all makes sense now. I I always say wrestling is an analogy for life, right? Because it's a sport and and you'll love this. It's a sport that you get your ass kicked at at till you're good. Unless you quit first. True. But entrepreneurship is that way too, right? Totally, totally. But a lot of other sports, like, you know, like you don't actually get beat up when you're not good. You just aren't that good. And maybe you ride the pine or you don't get, you know, you sit the bench or whatever. Wrestling is a sport when you're bad that you literally, someone beats you up and then you're, then you lose. right? Right. And so to your point, it takes a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot of like dealing with failure. You will fail. Like it's very rare that people come in and they just crush it and they're good wrestlers. Most people are bad. Even great athletes are usually not good wrestlers until they're good wrestlers. So, you know, I can see how you have that mentality. It it all makes sense for me now. One other thing that I learned from that to pass on is that, you know, my parents like totally disapproved of their daughter being on the wrestling team. Really? Oh, yeah. And so everyone ridiculed me. And that's when I decided that I was not living for likes. And so, so many people disapproved or made fun of me and I was getting whooped and I wasn't even good, but choosing to persevere despite all the suckiness of it taught me so much. So today, a lot of people don't like the work that I do. A lot of people love it, but a lot of people really hate it actually. Wait, why? Well, let's see. I work with uh, people who are called by society the worst of the worst, right? People who have committed heinous crimes. And I, I make zero excuses. They, they really hurt people. They have destroyed communities and done very harmful things. So they go to prison and a lot of people say, lock them up for life. Um, they don't deserve, there's no second chances for these people. And um, what people don't realize sometimes is that 95% of incarcerated people get released in a society. So I'm like, who do you want coming home? Like someone right. who's not been rehabilitated and has been treated like an animal or do you want someone who's been you know he- treated in a more humane way who's had a shot to come back to our society and not revert back to the things that they've known so but many people have a vengeance mentality no right. forgiveness and i say we've all done rotten things in life i'm so grateful that i'm a beneficiary of second chances but many people don't want second chances for a certain class of people. They're like, well, if they just sold drugs, then that's all right. But these people over here, as I've progressed in my career in prison, like I started off working with more uh, lightweights with people who, you know, sold drugs or were at lower security prisons. And then when I really saw the problems in prison, uh, the 80, 20 rule probably applies where 20% of the population causes the most problems in prison and also in society. So I really, at this point in my career, I almost exclusively work with people who are gang involved and commit violent crime and heavy duty things that make my stomach turn. I have been a victim of crimes as well. Wait, say that again. I've been a victim of sexual crime. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you. 
They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life. Canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklyn and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Oh yeah. So, wow. So I, 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 yes. So I don't, I don't like when people hurt other people, when they murder people, when they rape people, all that is a horrific act. Right. But I also, I don't just believe I know from my own experience of doing this work for so long that all things can be redeemed. Get correction. Yeah. And look, I mean, there's obviously a lot that's a it's a really complicated subject right so i can fully get behind if someone wants to be tough on crime i get it okay like people screw up and there needs to be punishment or we but 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 the the side of it that you just made a great point on before is well if 95 percent of these folks are going to end up back in general population like yeah. do you want them to be yeah. be a person who can contribute to society or do you just want them to oh no no they, they can't get jobs and they can't find housing and it's 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 not just that that they come back but 
the people I serve, they, okay. So they did, they made really bad choices. Them going to prison is a good thing for society because we don't want people who hurt people to stay, to be able to keep hurting people out, out here. So they go to prison and if they don't get correction, nothing changes, but they have children and like almost everybody that we serve has children. I don't know, 70, 80, 90%, something like that. And I, I think that like 70% of the children of incarcerated parents will follow in their parents' footsteps. Of course. Just like if your parent went to college. So it's not just a redemption or rehabilitation for the incarcerated person, but what are they passing on? Our program's holistic. So we also teach them to how to put greatness out in the world with their generous hustle, how to live that and how to, how to parent even from behind bars. So this is passing on a different generational legacy, breaking legacies of violence and poverty and incarceration and turning around. That's so amazing. Hey gang, Darius Mishaza here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. So listen, I know we have a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners out there that listen to the show. And right now, if you're one of those folks and you're doing, let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business, then what I'd like to do is give you an offer right now. How would you like to get your hands on the frameworks that I actually used to scale my last company, which started off as a small little seven-figure company to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years and I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that that you usually experience when you are scaling your business. So if you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on your business, you're listening to our show and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies, and you know, you've got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next call 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real world companies. And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with the B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, uh, we scaled out my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months. And we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training, and what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my Scale My Method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius, Scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix, they simplify, and they streamline every single aspect of your business. And they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time-consuming for a busy CEO like you and from my, like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. 
And so I want to go to the beginning. Like, okay. obviously, someone We're doesn't hear. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. No, no, no. I like to have conversations, right? And conversations are how we we create results in the world. So, you know, you don't go straight from wrestling to saying, oh, "I'm going to, you know, go to go to college." And when I get out, then maybe I'll go work with with the, uh, you know, the heavily incarcerated. How did you find your way into that? I'd love to start from the beginning there, and then we can work into the work you're doing now. Okay, well, when you asked me what my favorite song was, and I said Vacation, the song by Dirty Heads, that I printed out the, some of the lyrics, because um, I love this, and this ties into how I got there. So some of the lyrics are, A-A-A, I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. I'm on vacation. If you don't like your life, then you should go and change it. So I get to do something that I love, and I've always done things that I love. So I, I went to UC Berkeley, Go Bears, and then I, I graduated in business undergrad. I started working in venture capital, and then I ended up working in private equity. And when I was 25, I had a big life change. And um, I started to realize that I was working with many very wealthy people, billionaires, CEOs, very successful people. And I started to ask them, like, if you died today, why would your life matter? Because I wanted to find out the question for myself. Like, I was on a run rate or tra trajectory to make more than a million dollars a year. I was floating in money as a young person. But I could see that even the wealthiest people that I worked with, so many of them were so miserable and unhappy in their lives. And so I started asking, I mean, I ask your audience this right now. If you die today why would your life matter? And if well, your answer doesn't satisfy you right now, then change it. And the other lyric to this song here is, everybody's sour like a lemon tree. I'm just smiling down upon my enemies. Do this. Shh. I love it on the daily. You say you hate your job, but you'll never leave, never leave. And so I loved the art of closing the deal negotiating when I was in venture capital and private equity, but I felt like maybe I was built for more. And my inspiration came from the small group of entrepreneurs that I worked with. When I asked that question, if you died today, what would your life matter? The ones who had satisfaction in their lives, there was a very common theme. They weren't just racking up big bucks for themselves. Mm -hmm. It was because they used their wealth, their influence, their resources to make a difference for other people. So they were heavily involved in charitable work or they went above and beyond in caring for their employees or like it wasn't just about them and their family. It was far beyond that. So I was like, OK, that's how to live a meaningful life or how to make money matter. So I started looking for ways. I started praying like, God, bring it on, like show me what I can do in my life. <laughs> and uh, Then I got invited to prison and I was 26 years old and J.P. Morgan executive a woman asked me, Hey, you want to fly to Texas to go to prison? And I was like, um, no thanks. Because when I was 12, a very good friend of mine was brutally murdered by two 16 year old boys. And I thought anyone in prison is an animal. They deserve to die. Like all the lock them up and throw away the key stuff. Yeah. And I had been raped. Wow. So I was like, that's a last place on earth. Like I'll do something warm and fuzzy with kids or whatever inner city, you know? And she said, haven't you been a beneficiary of grace and second chances? Wow. And I can think back of all the times that I have screwed up in my life, many. And um, when other people have not stopped believing in me to this day, that's been a big wow. theme in my life. And I realized maybe I'm, maybe I'm judging people I never met. 
And I, I, in fact, I totally was, I was judging them as wild animals. And even when I went on that tour in Texas, when I was 26 years old, I was terrified and I really didn't think I was going to see people. I pictured what you see in the news when they're like the growling guys behind the cages or whatever. When I went there for the first time, my heart, I, I was completely convicted. I, I felt ashamed over the the way that I had taken my few personal experiences and extrapolated and written off entire, I mean, millions of human beings. There are millions of humans in, in prison and jail and um, said that they were good for nothing, that they were the scum of the earth. And when mm -hmm. I went there and interacted with these people for the first time in my life, I could recognize that they had made extremely bad, harmful decisions. And then at the same time, I, I white girl raised in a nice family. I knew nothing about drugs or gangs and started asking them all types of questions about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are totally natural born hustlers. They have so much in common with successful CEOs and executives. When you run a drug ring or a gang, like you have to have exceptional management skills and you understand profits and distribution channels and all of that. The one thing that they sucked at was their risk management strategies because they all got right. busted and went behind. <laughs> but, you know, um, I thought you guys have so much potential, you've misused it. What if you were equipped with le legit, like legal hustling skills, since I've always loved entrepreneurship and worked in venture capital. Yeah, I felt like right before my eyes were some of the greatest potential ROI stories in America, the most overlooked talent potential in this country. Can, so, can I ask a question? Yeah. yeah. Literally, you're on, for, this is your first time at prison. How long were you guys there for, number one? Uh, three days. I went to death row. I went to women's prison. I did like four, four prisons. Yeah. Okay. So three days you're going yeah. to like these four different prisons. Yeah. And at what point were you actually, was it while you were there where you're like, did you actually see that opportunity at that moment? Or was it through okay. retrospective? Like how does someone go to prison? And they're like, I could turn these guys into entrepreneurs. Like, like, okay. I gotta, how yeah, did yeah. That happen? yeah. So this is where I'm so thankful that I was 26 and gleeful and naive because I knew nothing about prisons. I'd never talked to a warden. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But when I walked in, I was absolutely terrified. I was, I was literally shaking. Like when I went to death row, I was, and by the time, by the end of the third day, I was like, I don't want to leave. Like, these are my people. They're so awesome. And Wow. I stood up at the end of the third day at a men's prison. I will never, no one's ever asked me this before. I stood up and I said, I am coming back here. I am starting an entrepreneurship program for you guys. I'm going to teach you everything I know about legal business. And I'm coming back next month and we're going to get it started. And the guys like stood up and like standing, like they were so excited. And uh, then I had to make good on that promise. And I wow. did. And uh, I had no idea how incredibly challenging it would be. I went back to my private equity job in New York and I told my colleagues, I was like, I'm going back to Texas and I'm going to teach these guys entrepreneurship. So I had to find like a curriculum and everything. And I was like, when I go back, I want to bring them donuts. I, my first thing I ever raised money for was like $800 for donuts for people in prison. And it was so exciting to me and I knew nothing about it. And yeah, here we are.
So you proclaim, you made a proclamation. It was men and women, or just men? That was out of men's prison. Yeah, I started. I did most of my career with men's, and now I work with a lot of women too. Yeah, I am going to come back and build an entrepreneurship program. Yeah, teach you guys like the way to do business. So, like when they leave, was this with the intention that when they leave, they channel in the right direction? Is that how you thought about it? No, I just was like, who who wants to sign up? And like, there were like a couple hundred guys there. You know, they were like all in. I mean. At this point in my life, I don't make uh, commitments like that, you know? Yeah. Back then, I just, I thought that I could waltz back into a prison. I didn't know that I had to have all these, all this buy-in and approval and, you know, that ask for forgiveness kind of thing after, well, yeah, then I started to work with wardens and approvals and lots of other things. Yeah. So in Texas, where I was, right. the guys were all dressed in like white uniforms in prison. And to me... Although they told me these crimes that they had committed, they all like looked like angels. They looked <laughs> happy. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, look, I got conned a lot in the beginning. I learned a lot of hard lessons because I didn't I didn't know what helped and what wouldn't help. I learned so many painful lessons. I'm so grateful though, because many people, just like you know, on lean startup methodology of right. Right- VPing something versus spending three years perfecting a business plan that won't work. Right. I spent three years perfecting a business plan and I didn't. I jumped right in. I got burned. One of my good friends says um, that I like to learn in public. Oh, you uh, sound like me. sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. So I learn in public and um, I would do that all over again. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's caused me a ton of pain in life. <laughs> Yeah, no. um, When I screw up, then I have an immediate chance to correct it and to learn and to become that much better at what I do and to serve better. So, for example, like one of the first guys who got out, he got out on like New Year's Eve and he's like, Kat, if I don't get money. And I was like not even living in Texas, by the way. All of my friends and family, just like when I wrestled, told me that my idea to work in prison was ridiculous. It was beneath me that my, like with my venture capital and private equity credentials, that I could do much greater things in life than work with this population. So I was actually, I was listening to all my advisors and I was like trying to find someone that I could hire to like pawn this idea off on. So I wasn't living in Texas I was started flying in monthly and this guy calls me and he's like, Kat, I just got out and I need all this money. And he's like, I promise I'll buy work boots. And if you give me money, then I'll use it to get a job. And I like wired him 300 bucks overnight, never heard from him again. Uh, And you know, that kind of thing. So I learned that that doesn't work, but you know what? That's okay. I put myself out there. I did something. I didn't end up giving him the right tools, but then I refined it. And now I'm really, really great at coming up with solutions that work for the toughest of populations. And it's because I put myself out there quickly. I didn't talk about it. Right. And even when people said, I don't know, Kat, I, this you're, you're, you know, I jumped ship and I left a $220,000 job a year. Well, this, job. Is when, this is when you were on Wall Street. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So and you jump ship. Yeah. You go you go to Texas to do essentially a, a, I guess it's a nonprofit. Is that what this was at that point? Oh yeah, I just, so I had like $50,000 in my bank account. I had a 401k and I like spent all my own money. I ran out of I didn't know how to fundraise. Now I right. teach people how to fundraise. And 
so I spent all my own money and then I was like, crap, now I need to raise money. But I started like a Shark Tank pitch competition in prison. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I incorporated a nonprofit, but that takes a long time to get your 501c3 and all that. And I used a database to find like 400 CEOs in Texas of like big companies, like oil and gas companies and all right. that. I sent them all into like letters in the mail and I wrote personalized messages at the top saying, will you come be a Shark Tank judge in my competition? Yeah. And I got more than 10%, more than 40 people who said yes. It was written up in the Wall Street Journal and we were off to the races. That's amazing. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I want to ask a question because you made a great point. A lot of these guys, they've learned how to survive, right? So getting conned, I, I mean, I don't think that's surprising. Most people probably would have been like, oh yeah, fuck those guys. That's why they're in there, right? They would have had a bad taste in their mouth. Mm -hmm. You just saw that from what I just heard you say is that's a data point. Okay, I got to change my methodology. So when you start looking at the changing in the methodology, what have you figured out works? Because obviously you've now had multiple opportunities through Defy and No Hustle 2.0. Yeah. What yeah. is the magic like ingredients to getting people to an 8% recidivism rate? Okay, well, this, I don't, I don't want to go too far into this, but what doesn't work is just throwing money at someone who has never learned how to manage money. But I used to think for so long, I'm embarrassed to say that for so long of my career, until I started Hustle 2.0, really, I thought that the main reason that people go back to prison is because they don't have jobs. So if you can help get to get them in a legal job and then help them to start a business, that that's a solution. So at Hustle 2.0, we work with an amazing team of criminologists, PhDs, who have taught me so much about recidivism, why people go back to prison. And there's something that I won't get into the weeds on called the eight criminogenic factors. But these are the why do people go back to prison? So employment is one of the eight. But there's another big four, the main four, which has all to do with like changing your stinking thinking or your criminal thinking. And we right. all have some criminal thinking in us. So <laughs> changing your peer group, because if we hang out with other people who are doing crime, then guess what? We're likely to do yeah. crime, right? Like show me your friends, I'll show you your future, yeah. right? So changing your peers, like changing how, recognizing the errors in our thinking. So if we can change our thinking first, then we can get to changing our behaviors. So over the years and what I do now, I also work with these amazing trauma experts and addiction and recovery experts. So addiction is also a huge uh, issue for people who are incarcerated. The majority right. of them have had some sort of substance misuse or other addictive behaviors. So if we just like say like, oh, person who did time, here's a job. And they haven't started to change some of the patterns or they haven't been taught how to pay bills or how to achieve balance in their lives, then you can give them the best job and they might be really smart, but it might be harder to hold down that job. So right. Hustle 2.0, it's really I, I go deep into psychology and trauma and healing trauma and the people who end up hurting other people. I think I can say there's a universal assumption of trauma. They have been through, I mean, even for people who have not gone to prison, there's a universal assumption of trauma. Right. Uh, but the people that I work with, um, again, this is not to take away from the, the terrible choices that they've made, but nearly all of them were 
molested or abused as children. Um, just really horrific, violent crime that was modeled for them and their families. Like there's a reason that people turn to violence and and gangs. Gangs I've heard is a, like a fatherhood replacement vehicle. Most of our people don't have their dads in our, in their lives. And they're looking for affirmation. They're looking for protection. They're looking for community. Right. There's no argument that if you don't have that protection and that, that community at home, yeah, you'll find it somewhere else. Yeah. And I'll, uh, the reason that I'm so unbelievably thankful to get to do this work that I do is the people I work with in prison have been entrenched in their criminal lifestyles for 20, 30, 40 years or whatever decades. And mm-hmm. they have the courage to change. Yeah. I mean, most of us think about a behavior that you have been persisting in that you're like, oh yeah, I'll do a new year's resolution on that. Or I want to change that. Like how many of us talk about a change that we want to make. And when we present these people with an opportunity to become pro-social or legal with their, with their lifestyle, the courage that they have to uh, stop using alcohol and drugs, like how many of people in your audience right now in COVID have ramped up usage of, uh, alcohol or drugs or whatever and say, I want to cut back. Right. Imagine actually doing that. So when you, when you look at that population, right, a lot of them have been in prison, probably some for many, a few years, maybe a couple years, maybe a few decades. Right. And you start putting them into, into, to address these different elements to your point of criminology and you're getting these positive results. What do you, when you start to say, what do you see? Is it a certain, is it where for every 10 people you put in, only a couple really have what you see they need to have in order to really make change happen? Or is it where, no, like 80% of them, like, how do you guys, how do you discern that when you're, when you're putting this to work? Okay. So early in my career, I used to work with people who were pre-release, meaning they were within three years of getting out. The longer that we can have to work with people in their journey, the better it is. And in some countries, I don't know, like Denmark or I forget where, or Norway, I think that they like the day that they get incarcerated, their rehabilitation journey begins. That's how they right. see it. in America. That's not the way. And in fact, like lifers or people who have like 10 or 20 years are excluded from programming until their last like six months that they get out, which right. I think is absurd. Insane. So at Hustle 2.0, we have changed that. So the majority of the people that we are working with right now still have like five or 10 years. And in fact, So 15 different prison systems have bought our curriculum now. They think it's so awesome. And they, we say, yeah, you can target the nerds, like the people who really behave well in there. But if you want to create the greatest Delta, the greatest ROI, go for the people who are causing your staff the most trouble every day. And so we are honored to get to work in restrictive housing or solitary confinement, the shoe. And those people are not usually getting out in the next year or two. And so we're able to work with people far before they get out. And to your question on how many of them are ready to change. Yeah. Well, the majority of the people that we work with are called non-programmers. They're resistant to program. They say, I refuse to do anything. But our books our hustle guides are so freaking cool. They're like filled with like art and quizzes and stories of other incarcerated people. They're so, and they're filled with humor and jokes. And um, so non-programmers love it. And 
so we've served like uh, thousands of people now, several thousand people with Hustle 2.0. People how don't much, change overnight. None of us change overnight. How, how many would you say you served? Was it 8,000? I think it's less than 3,000 and more than 2,000. Well, so 8,500 oh, that you quoted, those were with the first two programs. Now already in like... In the last two years, we've served several thousand. We're like on a ramp. We're now serving people in all 50 states in 425 prisons, men, women, and juvenile prisons as well. You and, said, you said, I got to, I, I got to ask this before I forget it. You right. said that the, that the technical term was nerds. Is that, is that a prison <laughs> term? term? Well, okay. This is how I break up the prison population is like, one third are the nerds, like the people who don't cause problems in, in prison. One third are on the fence. Like some days they they take a program and on other days they're like selling drugs in prison. And then one third are the program resistant, like the, you know, the, the tough population. And that's who we target. Yeah. I mean, we work with the nerds too. We'll serve anybody who wants a, a, an opportunity. And we can, so if you are listening to this and you know anybody who's incarcerated, you can go to Hustle 2.0 and send the program directly through the mailroom to your incarcerated loved one. So then, so wait, so anybody can, can, anyone so, can get it. So yeah, I so mean, you can get it for yourself right now. And I promise you that you will transform if you do this program too. Wait, so let's, so let's talk about that a little bit. So hustle 2.0, <laughs> this is the first time you're doing this as a, as it's a for-profit business. Is that correct? It's we're a public benefit corporation. So we're like a hybrid people. Many people are familiar with B Corp. So we're like that. So oh, you can okay. actually, if you want to provide, scholarship donations to incarcerated people. Like I just heard from my co-founder this morning that we have 59 unfulfilled scholarships in Texas alone and more than 300 nationally. So people who are waiting to get program, if you want to do that, 50 bucks a pop and you can, Darius, can you put my email out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we Kat, can put your email in the show notes. It's cat, C-A-T at hustle20.com, H-U-S-T-L-E, the number two zero.com, C-A-T at hustle20.com. So if, if you um, want to provide a scholarship donation, 50 bucks a pop, so $1,000 funds 20 spots for people, mm -hmm. you can do that. And we um, just email me and I'll connect you because we have a nonprofit partner, like a fiscal sponsor. And that's where we're a hybrid between a nonprofit and a for-profit. But the reason I started this as a public benefit corporation is we're not dependent just on donations. So for systems, the 15 state systems that are buying the curriculum, this is awesome because it helps us to scale. And I'm a really good fundraiser, but I'm not good enough to raise all the money that is needed to serve the 2.3 million Americans who are in prison and the 10 million people who cycle in and out of jails every year. So I believe that the more sustainable way to grow this organization is by making a public benefit corporation and um, getting actual revenue. So anyone, yeah, no, obviously like doing it like self-funding, if you will, right? Yeah. And then some. So yeah. anyone that wants to donate, call it 50 bucks or pay the 50 bucks. So they get to write that off as For a, 500 or 5,000 or 50,000. Yeah. Just email me and I'll connect you to our fiscal sponsor so that you can get it. If you do it directly through Hustle 2.0's website, you can actually pick. So if you go to our website right now, you'll see people on there who are like, please pick me. And they their scholarship application and they're saying why they want a second chance. So you can decide who you pick and who you fund. You don't get a tax write-off for that. Email me and I'll connect you to our fiscal sponsor. 100% of the proceeds goes directly to scholarships at 50 bucks a pot and you will get a tax deduction as well. Yeah, and I'm I really grateful for the help. So it, we do this because although we have a, backlog right now of these 300 people who are waiting, we don't turn down anybody. 
We're one of the only programs in the world. If they fill out a one-page application called Why I Want to Be a Certified Hustler, <laughs> we provide them with a program. And many other programs like Cherry Pick, they want to see. And I want to work with people who every day are flooding their cell and who are the correctional officer's worst nightmares because we have proof that after they en enroll in Hustle 2.0, that hope leads to behavioral changes. And that's why correctional departments love us, but not enough of them love us yet. We need more of them to love us and to have bigger budgets to spend on this. Yeah, we need to make that happen. I have I have a proposition for you. What? Okay, you want to hear it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, here's my proposition for you because I was like, I should have scheduled Kat for like two shows. So my proposition is I want to have you come back to the show so we can have a more robust conversation and if you'll agree to that, and if I get a tax write-off, I'll sponsor all 59 of those people. So you'll sponsor 59. Those 59, those 59 sponsors. Yeah. I'll me personally will cover all 59 of them. And you just got to come back to the show. Okay. How about if I, how about if I like take this to the next level? How about you sponsor 59 in Texas and at least one of your audience members matches you on 59 that will apply to any of the other 49 states where we have people because we have more than 300 in the pipeline. And then I'm back on the show. So if you get a total of 118, 118 uh, well, scholarships, I'm in. Well, as soon as you get 118 scholarships, I'm in for the next uh, show. Well, the 59 is covered for sure. And then hopefully yeah. we'll get you back yeah. for another one. All so, right, so let, let's see. Let's see how much your audience um, listens. <laughs> yeah, listens or appreciates this. I would be delighted to come back and talk about this thing called stages of change, how yeah. we help people get from pre-contemplation stage, which is like, I don't have a problem. There's no problem like the non-programmers to taking action. There's this whole science of it. And this can be applied to your life as an entrepreneur as well. How like if you're like, oh, like everybody's New Year's resolution is I want to lose weight or get fit. Yeah. How can you, move, how can you stop talking about it and be about it? Yeah. If, if these guys can change their lives through cat system, so can you. And yeah. by the way, that was such a hustler response you just gave me. <laughs> you countered me. Uh, I, I, I love it. But hey, um, I know we're running out of time. So listen, we're, people can connect with you at cat. That's C-A-T at hustle20.com. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. I would love to hear from people. Can't wait to get 118 scholarships and come back. 59 down, 59 to go. Guys, don't disappoint me. I want Kat back and you should too. Um, is there anything else, anywhere else people can connect with you or, or anything else that you'd love for us to promote? Thank you for asking. Um, if anybody's starting a nonprofit, you can hit me up on uh, help for that. Um, no, I really... Uh, what what I really want to come back and promote next time is how your audience can move the needle on their own changes in their entrepreneurial life. I'm very passionate about, and I would like to talk about forgiveness next time as well. So let's save it for next time. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for both of those oh, things. And maybe coming back from failure, like reinventing yourself after scandal, divorce, whatever. I've been through these things. So yeah. I know. I just see I leapfrogged all that stuff. I went straight to it's that. Our, we talked to, we, we talked not too long. We just talked a long time about yeah. wrestling. We're both talkers and you have so much cool content. But yeah, guys, listen, go go support Cat Hustle20.com. And I want those 59 other sponsors. So by when, Darius? By when do you want them? 
time based. January twenty eighth. Let, let's let's do it by the end of March. That gives it time. We got to I got to do post production on the show, so I'm giving myself wiggle. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this show is going to get a lot of promotion. So, and you okay. can email me, Darius at the Real Darius, and or Cat on on doing the other fifty nine sponsors. I am so grateful to finally have you on my show. This Thank was so you. much fun. And Darius, I want to pause and say thank you for funding 59 scholarships. It means a lot to me, but it means it will mean, I don't know why I feel emotional right now, but to the people who are, some of our incarcerated people have had COVID three times because they're in environments where they can't quarantine from other people. In this quarantine time, they get no programs, no church, no AA, nothing. They are in a solitary lockdown. Thank you for giving us the funding for 59 people who will have an opportunity now to have hope to transform their, their hustle. Yeah. Listen. Their lives, their parenting and everything. I, I, I love you for this. Thank yeah. you. I'm so grateful to, to, to know you and to, for you to be doing this work and, and the honor is mine to support you guys. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. All right, guys. See you guys later. What a treat having Kat here. I'm so excited for for this episode and um, we'll see you guys soon. Peace out. You are listening to the greatness machine and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode, you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast.
or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.